Hauser has four stars, Hayes is now a defensive back, and the offense is much less offensive. Will Izzo be the next AD? Probably not, but we can always... No, I'm not reading that! You're listening to Can't Read, Can't Write. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Can't Read, Can't Write, the podcast where my co-hosts regularly sabotage me. I'm Mike Jones, joined, of course, by the man who puts vamp in vampire, Kevin Grack, and the coronavirus color commentator himself, Alex Plum. How are you guys doing? Oh, lovely. Um, we're excited to hear that you think it's a really good idea that Izzo should be the interim athletic director. That was a more week. popular idea online than I'm prepared to to acknowledge to stomach, <laughs> or, and or I, it that bothers me. Yeah, but this we'll is get like when that. when Hondo uh, started that rumor that Izzo was going to be the football coach because you know if you coach one thing, you should be able to coach anything, right? It's motivation. Coach uh, Ted Lasso could. Ted That's Lasso could. Facts. This should just turn into a Ted Lasso podcast during the summer. All right. Uh, uh, thank you, of course, for listening to Can't Read, Can't Write. Uh, if we could ask a small pay- favor, please share the pod with Spartans in your life. Of course, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get podcasts and follow us on the old Twitter machine at Spartan underscore pod. And if for some reason you participate in the Twitter questions going on uh, later in the episode, you can always email us at can't read, can't write 1855 at gmail.com. Hey, that's not just talk uh, right now. There's a lot of Spartans out there don't know the football team, but it's coming up. So if you're talking to one and they're like, I don't know, what should I get excited about in football? Just be like, I know a guy. Listen to these episodes. I mean, I want to give a shout out because I think uh, Colin Jankowski, friend of the pod, has like slowly been spreading. uh, Can't read, can't write through the marching band, which, you know, I couldn't be. Couldn't be happier. There we go. I love the marching band. Little rubber band, man. I wonder if they still play that. I actually always kind of preferred the Spartan Brass to the marching band, but the, you know, Spartan Brass is part of the marching band, and that's what's important. You're all great. Thank There's you. More, you know, Marty Mamark should be doing a little bit more than probably within the Spartan marching band, right? Wasn't that uh, his, his his gig too? Uh-huh. Huh, Marky? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We've got a lot of music. All right. <laughs> Before we get off the rails entirely, uh, Plum, tell the people what they can expect out of an episode of Can't Read, Can't Write if they're joining us for the first time, which is a real possibility because football season approaching. So please, Plum, try your best here. I won't. Um, if this is your first time to the pod, or if it's your third time, but you can't really pay attention to phenomenon like patterns, um, here's how the show starts. We start on the green wall, which is a term that means green, which is a color of our sport, and then a wall, which is built with bricks. Hmm. And what the wall is built of is football and basketball, and occasionally like one other sport, golf. Um, and then after we talk about those uh, sports where football always leads, we had off Grand River, um, a thoroughfare that goes through campus, a main one at that, where we talk about other sports. And this is where our pod really sets itself apart because we offer commentary on the life of sports and how they relate to Michigan State life and us sports. as individuals. Um, occasionally, we have a not a sponsor because, well, we don't need money to do this. And then uh, this episode, we'll be previewing the offense. And if you haven't listened in a while, you should definitely go back and listen to our uh, previous two episodes where we've covered the defense and special teams. Last but not least, we take your Twitter questions where we love to engage with you, our rabid and fan-centric fans. That didn't make any sense. 
Nope. Nailed it. That Nailed was it. great. All right, so let's be head behind the green wall, and indeed, football is the sport that's going to lead. And um, I guess, guys, I would like to start with hype video season uh, because MSU concluded its second of two allotted NCAA scrimmages, and um, you know, it seems like the the only way to read tea leaves right now is through watching the hype videos that are released. Hmm. Um, I, I bet mean, it's accurate. <laughs> I bet I bet you're getting a, a you know a you know a real taste for the team through those hype videos. Yeah, uh, I mean, <laughs> I think in fun. some instances they do share probably uh, people who you should be excited about. And then um, at other times, they choose not to include, I don't know, pictures of a quarterback at all. Um, because um, if there's a siren that goes off, by the way, it's because I'm constantly getting emergency alerts for the weather. So apologies. Oh, no, yeah. Because hurricane. An yeah. amber alert out for you right now. You're on the line. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, I, I don't need to take a police radio. I can just use my phone to stay one step ahead of the cops. Um I just made a joke about abducting children. Can you cut that, please? Mm-mm, mm-mm. <laughs> All right. The people deserve to know uh-huh. that you're a monster. Anyway, uh, so I, look, um, looking at the the cut up from the last scrimmage, I think there are a few things we can conclude. Uh, Keon Coleman finds his way into every one of these videos in some yeah, way. Yeah, dude. Guy's got some heat. And I think the other fact is Kenneth Walker looks like a stud, and that should not be ignored. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kenneth Walker, it looks good. Um, I mean, th- these are sizzle reels. Um, a lot of the same you know, guys that we were expecting to see were on there. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I'm Great. excited. I'd rather, I'd rather actually take a, you know, clinical look at the offense as we will when we do that full preview sure. later sure. in the, in the uh, podcast. Sure. Is there uh, anything though in particular that, that jumps out to you? in those uh i i mean kenneth walker stood out um undeniably as like a guy um that has a ton of athleticism a dude a dude yes kenneth walker is a dude and a guy and uh is gonna be a big deal um but you know that's not to say eli collins didn't find his way onto the sizzle reel either Mm -hmm. um i kind of am getting the sense that they're going to be splitting reps and that maybe they'll be pretty okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, other running backs are now tight ends, so it kind of makes sense. Uh, slash halfbacks, I guess, maybe. Okay. Anyway, we'll get into it in the offensive preview. That The other piece that was interesting to me is, and this is in conjunction with the, the commentary from, uh, I guess, uh, the offensive coordinator, Jay Johnson, was that, uh, and I think we'll talk a little bit more about Jay later on, but that in the first scrimmage, they were, you know, they had some things to work on and, and it seems like they, they feel pretty confident that the defense can do some creative things, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, makes sense, right? The defense always kind of starts with a leg up on the offense, right? Always. Um, Almost every single year. Yeah. So it's, it's not so much a, a cause for concern quite yet. The offense won't be good this year, uh, though there's plenty of uh, history to suggest you might have your doubts. But it did seem like um, this highlight reel ex- it tried to highlight uh, indeed some of the offensive prowess that might be coming our way. 
and that maybe we can run the ball this year. Maybe. Hmm. All right. Hmm. Just, I'm just throwing it out there. Um, hey, maybe, uh, maybe a rushing touchdown or two. Uh, rushing touchdown or two. Infinity more than last season. Uh, <laughs> uh, I guess a quick programming note. Last week we said that Malik Carr was in a boot and would not probably be playing very much this year. It sounds like that boot was short-lived and that Malik Carr will indeed be seeing the field at some point this season. Um, TBD on how much, but just correction from last week. And this pod will never trust Graham Couch again with that kind of information. Honestly, that is where I got the information from. Yeah, of course it is. God damn it. Uh, uh, Plum, uh, talk to the folks about Kaden Hauser getting his fourth star. And if that just means you repeat that news, you go ahead and do that. I want to acknowledge to everybody that Kaden Hauser, which is pronounced Kaden and not Kateen, Picked up his fourth star. Um, this is a huge deal for us. I didn't realize this. So I know that where I think we're, our, this recruiting class for 2022 is ranked 18th nationally, but that we were ranked 45th last year. Yeah. I'm, do bad. you think this represents probably one of the like most seismic improvements among uh, an FBS program that, I, like, between years? It's the circumstances, right? It, it's... A brand new coach under those circumstances, just not being able to get guys that that he wanted last year. So I, I think this is not uncommon for okay. coaches that are hired rather late in the cycle. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I, the other interesting piece about that to your point, Greg, and, and also yours, Plum, is that, you know, Tucker did say that he felt pretty confident that once they could get people on campus that that recruiting would really turn around mm-hmm. and lo and behold, they started, right. getting, they started getting people on campus yeah. in June and started landing the four stars. Um, so I, I, that just seems to be an additional factor. It, everyone certainly had the COVID year, but you combine that with a, a short timeline on being hired and then also not being able to like get in person relationships and not go out and see coaches. Um, and it well, sounds like t- Tucker's just an in-person salesman. Yeah, you know, he's some, not a zoomer. Some uh, some programs were able to have in person uh, <laughs> events on campus. I, we don't even have that on on the outline. No. We, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw. We got to talk about Scott Frost. No, we'll it do it next time. We'll All do right. it next time. Uh, the, the building of the case against Scott Frost. <laughs> those weren't on campus though, right? That, those were just like no, they just additional. Did, I think they just did COVID workouts. I think that was yeah. the other issue. Yeah. It's not an Arizona State situation. No. Can um, I say one more thing about Kate Nauser? I mean, do we really think that was he was IMG Academy, right? Was no. that where he, or what was that where he got the nah. looks? Where, where was he at that quarterback? California boy. Uh, he's oh, Saint- Elite Eleven. Elite yes. Eleven. Do we think that was it? I mean, is that what really kind of helped propel him over the line for this fourth star? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that was the the evaluation that yeah moved him up. Yeah, he he also had an injury. So he was coming in a little bit low because he had an injury, I think, his sophomore year. Then his junior season, they played in the spring instead of the fall uh, because of COVID. And he split he's splitting quarterback duties with a kid from the 2023 class who's rated higher than him. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, so he just, uh, you know, people just slept on him. I mean, yep. In fairness, like his offer list is nice, but it's not what you would ex- what you would expect yeah. out of a four star quarterback who showed up really great at the Elite Eleven camp. Yeah. Um, and it's, I think, 
you know, I I, uh, I will just say there's a certain columnist for the Lansing State Journal who had a very lazy take on Kate and Hauser getting his fourth star that uh, <laughs> just, I mean, the level of, of stupid and logical flaws that it takes to have that bad of a take is outstanding. Um, but what... What I think this says about Mel Tucker is that as much as we we talk about Mel Tucker as being a guy who was hired to be a recruiter and to amplify the recruiting rankings of Michigan State, um, it is also important that he is a quality talent evaluator. And you look at Alabama, for instance, who has plenty of three stars that are committed to their school. The best program in the country, hands down, has plenty of three star kids that are committed to their school. And, and so what this says to me about Kate and Hauser getting his fourth star officially is that Mel Tucker, Jay Johnson found a guy they liked, settled in on him, made the full court press and got a guy they truly believed in who then later on showed that he deserved that fourth star. Despite what nonsense some columnists suggest, Mel Tucker didn't make a call and get that fourth star for Kate and Hauser. Dude earned it. Like, and it, and to try and take that accomplishment away from the kid is it, like, I'm not suggesting he will be the greatest quarterback MSU has ever seen. There's plenty of evidence to suggest that he probably doesn't start. But, Indeed. but still, let's not take accomplishments away from the kid. Yep. Okay. Next uh, up. Uh, no, nope, I want to talk about him more. Yeah. Uh, you were to get enough Amber Alerts. Uh, <laughs> next up uh, changes. Uh, to the MSU Department of Player Personnel. Uh, there, as we know, there were a couple shakeups earlier, uh, several weeks ago, and now uh, Nate Applebaum is leaving Florida to take that position or to join that department. So uh, moves in the uh, coaching staff as well. But yeah. that's not what we're concerned about. We're concerned about the big moves. So we didn't talk about this last week because there was not much in terms of news but that has kind of changed since then so plum can you outline for us what exactly happened and where we're at on this outline not editorialize uh pass <laughs> come back to me for editorialize <laughs> yeah pass <laughs> all right so the the detroit free press um had a story that was sourced that uh the in the midst of the athletic director search uh a, a faction of the board of trustees went to Tom Izzo and said, Hey Tom, will you be the interim athletic director? And Tom Izzo said, sure. And then president Stanley Staniel said, uh, or St- Samuel Stanley, Katine Hosar <laughs> <laughs> said, uh, uh, said no. Um, so I, I guess this to the 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 import of this story to me isn't is is largely about um how much does the board of trustees trust president stanley um it has to do with uh the the process maybe potentially tom izzo mel tucker and other coaches uh involvement in the search and the speed at which the search is going mm-hmm. um i guess I'll just say we expected this search might have been wrapped up already, and it is not. Yeah. There are conflicting takes within the media who will just say, you know, presumably have more, if not better sources. Um, 
that a, a great number of the media actually suggests that they thought um, some members of the board thought the search was going too fast and wanted to slow it down. Well, at the very least, it sounds like Stanley is not keeping members of the board in the loop to the degree that they would like. Uh, I, I think if you just consider the fact that pretty clearly Stanley requests this move for Beekman to to move into another VP type role, uh, one would expect that that would have meant that he would have a pretty clear idea of what the plan was, who the shortlist was going to be. And that at this point, especially given all of the rumblings that we heard months ago, um, that things probably would have been pretty close to wrapped up. Now, maybe they are. It's very possible that there's an announcement Monday morning before we even, you know, post this, uh, post this uh, podcast. The problem is the optics of all of this. And the problem is asking your basketball coach who's busy with the season that's about to start to step in in the end time, in the meantime, in the interim. So when you, on, already, all have, of that, when you already have an interim athletic an interim that you're paying. Uh, Plum, now, editorialize, go. Well, I, I don't even know if I have to editorialize so much to say. I mean, I think you called it. The, the concern here is process. Clearly, um, Beekman was going. Uh, this is a VP position created for him. This, this position didn't exist. So it had to be created for him, meaning Stanley created it for him. So then Stanley should have known what the process was. The process is the, the breakdown in the process is that he's not communicating with the board. And, and, and in return, the board isn't communicating with him. You, you can't have, I mean, I, I don't understand why the, why the board of director or the board of trustees has a um, veto over uh, the, this hiring decision. I, I mean, I can make some assumptions. It's about, about the to. It's about yeah, the they salary. have to authorize every expenditure over X over a certain amount. Okay, thank you. That's helpful context. So that being said, um, I you know one can understand why the board would take would want a more active role in this, given the institution's recent history with athletics and many of the missteps that administration has had vis-a-vis its athletic uh, department. So um, I I think you know at the end of the day, uh, this a lot a lot of this falls on. Um, Stanley. And then I think the other half of it falls on the board. There's, there's, you, you can't drag the university through more tension and stress and, and, and this kind of garbage. We, we can't withstand it. And, and by the way, that free press article, which was not well written and was sparsely sourced, does not get any quote from Izzo, does not get any quote from anyone else, you know, that we can understand as a high ranking official within the administration. So we don't really know. But, you know, I refuse to let Izzo be impugned in this. I have to think that Izzo was probably, if if all of this happened as it said it did, and if Izzo did say yes to the to the invitation of the board to serve in the interim role, he would do that only to serve the university. And he would do it probably thinking that the board was acting in their capacity alongside the president to guide this decision making. So Izzo doesn't come out of this with any egg on his face other than a very deep-seated and genuine concern to serve the university, as he has been doing. Um, this is, uh, this is a poor look for, 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 uh, Sam and, uh, and for the incompetence in the board. Yeah. The problem is that this plays into old tropes about the MSU board of trustees, about meddling, about having poor ideas, about all number of things. It is a bad idea. It's a, it is not a good idea. They hired a guy to run the university. You need to let him run the university. And, and if 
if, it, hold on real quick, because it's, it's also, it, no matter the status of your search, whether they think it's moving too fast or too slow, this does not help the search. And if right. you're someone who's not familiar with MSU in a, in like a, oh yes, our board of statewide elected dum-dums are historically dum-dums and it's okay in a sort of like, haha, it's annoying. Um, you might be turned off by this opportunity. Right? Yeah. I mean, I think we all know the types of people that get AD positions and they're not really excited about the idea of am I answering to Tom Izzo anyway? Like they want their own people in these types of roles. And now to have asked Tom Izzo to fill in in that position just sends up a red flag to a number of people that they were probably already considering for this role. So, And also, doesn't it demonstrate that Stanley was clearly not talking to either Izzo or Tucker about in terms of getting input and and on what the hire should be? This was also a a Graham Couch op-ed that I, or, you know, column or whatever you want to call it, that I I think is worth discussing because I think it's fair to say Tom Izzo has been around for a a lot of athletic directors. Mm -hmm. That's, that's a fair point. Um, I think the softball coach or maybe the, the golf coach, the women's golf coach has also been around for a lot of athletic directors. Tom Saxon, who just retired, the women's soccer coach was there since 89. So you have some people who have, uh, maybe useful institutional knowledge is a, is a way of phrasing it. Correct. Right. Um, and our coaches. So, uh, those are people you could lean on. However, uh, they are also the people who report to the athletic director. Right. Can't so, choose your own boss. Yeah. And I, I mean, the, the critiques of Bill Beekman and there are many, but one of them was that Mark D'Antonio and Tom Izzo chose their own boss. That's a fair critique. Although there are rumors to how well that went. You know, yeah, uh, oh, for sure, it, it it didn't go as well as Mark had hoped. Uh, but the, the but, point remains, like like uh, John Engler appointing Bill Beekman to the position, which was just a real boner. Sam Stanley has got zero experience with this, and I have zero trust in the man's ability to be able to discern this. This is not this is not an academic position. This isn't a medical decision. This isn't a, a bureaucratic administrative decision. It, it is it is those three, and it is much much more. There is a Fingerspitzengefühl, and the Germans would say, "There's a secret ingredient to this that you can't. It, 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 you know it when you see it, or you know it when you feel it, but you can't, you know, objectively describe it. You don't have that, Sam. So you you do have to engage with more than just yourself here, and probably more than just an executive recruiting firm. And the fact that Izzo and what we're getting in terms of this feedback is that you know, effectively, Izzo and and Tucker are, if if not sidelined." Certainly not engaged at the level they should be, and I think if not them, probably not other coaches as well. Does not um, does not brook confidence in the process. I, I mean, I, I think my my complaint about it is that that again, that Tom, uh, that Sam Stanley should be the one making the decision, and certainly he he owes some accountability to the board. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he should have to tell them how the search went. Uh, you know, what candidates did he consider? What was his criteria for selecting? And the, and the board can and should exercise oversight. That that is their responsibility, no doubt. Um, but it doesn't. But oversight is different than being part of the decision making process. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and in the same way, you know, uh, if if Tom or I'm sorry, if if President Stanley had settled in on somebody and said, "I think this is the person," 
Um, you know, he could certainly set up discrete meetings with members of the coaching staff of various sports and said, Hey, I'd like you to meet with this person. Here's what I think their strengths are. Here's what I think their weaknesses are. You know, give me your feedback on the conversation you have. And, and that would be a perfectly, you know, if you're hiring a manager of, of employees, you would have that person meet with the people they're supposed to manage. The people they manage don't decide. You just solicit some feedback, but it's, you know, the fact that the notion that Tom should be involved in, in, in a search is, I, I don't know. I disagree with that assessment um, and, and that opinion that, that Tom or Mel should be involved in, in a search. Searches for other coaches. Sure. Sure. But, yeah. But for an athletic director, I don't know. Uh, or certainly not. Uh, we should also point out that these types of hirings are messy. And if MSU gets through this whole thing with only this article, as being the, the yes, egg on the that's, face. That's fair. <laughs> it's not that bad in the long run. The real problems are that it plays into some of the old tropes about the board and about the university generally. I, um, I think last thing on this is it plays to type is what I'm saying. Yes. That we are, we are though uh, two weeks away from kick off uh, for the football season. Uh, it is actually the last week of no college football. And do we think that affects hiring timing yes and you, you is that is that what the conversation with tom started with is you that don't, we aren't there i'm not really sure how important it is to have an ad for the football side of things but certainly for the hosting for the fundraising for those types of things there are only x number of home football games a year in each one of those is a fundraising opportunity that should not be missed and Stanley's going to be at every one of those games. Izzo's going to be at every one of those games. And an athletic director should be at every one of those games. So uh, that's the concern. Yeah. Well, all this is interesting. And, and I, I think it. this is the first real Stanley board drama that we've seen. Um, right? I'm racking my brain right now. It seems unlikely. I mean, he's been the president for two years, but... I'm trying to think what other and the likely suspects of causing drama are gone. So, well, well a number if, of, if we are to believe the rumors. Them. So, I I don't know. I, there's a lot of incentive to just kind of publish this kind of information. There's a lot of people jumping to conclusions about it. I don't think we know for sure. We'll find out in the years to come. Either way, I think we're all on board that Izzo should not be a temporary mm -hmm. AD in any capacity ever. He talks about, yes, about even at the end of his career if he should be the AD, and the answer is absolutely not. I would, I would rather they pick any non-revenue. I would rather they pick the swim and dive coach who has recently been scorned so publicly than pick Tom Izzo. All right. Right. All right. Hopefully this time next week, there'll be an AD uh, pick for us to talk about. But in the meantime, there has been an announcement at these football games. We mentioned home football games. Uh, we mentioned how important they are for fundraising. Uh, we know a little bit more about the COVID policy. Plum, as our resident health expert. Resident? You mean listener guest. As our listener guest health expert. Do you care to uh, educate the audience and, I, uh, you know, give us your opinion on things as well? <laughs> yeah, um, I think it's fantastic. Uh, they are going to be requiring 
uh, masks at, in all facilities and all buildings on campus. Um, and uh, at, at sporting events, particularly if it's an indoor sporting event, obviously you got to have a mask. Um, at Spartan Stadium, they clarified uh, in the seats, um, in uncovered areas of the stadium, you will not have to wear a mask. They're encouraged. Uh, but if you're in, uh, you know, any of the the suites or the um, Huntington Club, if you are um, under a I think under a covering under an awning in the bathrooms or on the you know the main level um, getting concessions, uh, you will need to wear a mask. Obviously, they're going to try to be enforcing some of the physical distancing and stuff. But um, I, I just think this um, this uh, this this release is promising. It, it seems to be in line with what most other programs are doing uh, in terms of uh, in terms of requiring masks. Uh, one of the things that they haven't done yet is. Um, they have not indicated that vaccines are required to attend events. Um, obviously, we've started to see some programs do that. I myself personally would like to see the university make that decision. I think it'd be a great incentive for folks who are not yet vaccinated to get vaccinated, um, or if in, the, in, in lieu of a vaccine to come uh, to come with a proof of a, of a negative test within the last um, 24 hours. Um, so I think, or 48 hours, maybe. So I think, I, I think there are ways of, you know, to, to guarantee safety or, or to at least get us a lot closer to, to being safe. But the masking policy is, uh, is a fantastic one. This Delta variant is not a joke. And I think that the university is taking it seriously and appropriately so, so good for them. Uh, what do you think Alex about, uh, or Greg, uh, about them offering up vaccinated sections to the, to the games? You mean for like individuals who are vaccinated to have kind of a safer space with each other? Yes. Yep. Hmm. I mean, the logistics of that just don't work, but yeah, I mean, I you're asking my... a dude or gal to police the section, which is probably not the right decision. Well, you'd have to make the ticket. I think it's premier engine. league is doing that by the way. Well, that's a decision that could have been made months ago, but tickets are out. They're available. They've been cut. Yeah, it's I, not a thing. Yeah, you'd have to in an area where you had general admission. Then yes, you could do something like that, I guess. But it would still be yeah, you, you'd have to police it yourself. But in the way that tickets are distributed, the way that people get seats, I you, yeah, it's too late logistically for that. Huh. But this is a good decision. All right, so uh, off Grand River, uh, similar uh, story. Oregon is indeed uh, announcing such a policy on the need of vaccine uh, proof or a negative test to come to games. Um, and that is, I believe, the first policy that's been announced by a university that was not required by state or local officials, correct? Yeah, uh, though the Raiders, I, I don't think this is required by state or local The ordinance. Raiders, of all people, uh, have said that you either need proof of vaccine or a recent test, or uh, maybe the... Now I need to look at it because they're offering shots when you get there. If you don't have a vaccine, they'll give you one. Okay. And then uh, what? They'll hold the game for two weeks? <laughs> yeah, no, I know. I know. Uh, but they are they are trying to, they're at least attempting to turn this into a vaccination drive, if you will. Which, okay. I mean. I'm on board with that. Yeah. It's not, it's not a world breaker, but it's something. Um so and that's to get better cell phone reception in the stadium as well, right? <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, oh, uh, Hondo's oh, gonna, uh, man. Hondo might quit his job, but um, it is it is a thing. So um, anyway, uh, we have not a sponsor though, and Plum, this one of course, 
was brought to us by you. Well, it's my pleasure really to do what I can for uh, for the pod. And this week's episode of Can't Read, Can't Write is not brought to you by Tom's Masks. That's right, your Lansing home for high-quality, durable masks, hand-sewn by MSU men's basketball coach Tom Izzo and his wife, Lupe. Want to rob a bank? Wear a Richard Nixon mask. Enjoy snowboarding in frigid UP backcountry? Try Lupe's fashionable knitted ski mask. <laughs> Unable to be vaccinated and diligent in your effort to stay uninfected by a novel coronavirus? Use the patented Spartan 95 mask. I'd Socially conscious, already vaccinated, and unwilling to accidentally transmit a deadly pathogen to family and friends? Mask up with a comfy Grand River cloth mask. Listen, masks have many uses, but for a limited time, the Izzos have a special offer going on. Listeners of the pod who are over 35 and recently paid $12,500 to Duke University to play make-believe Blue Devil dress-up can get the all-new waterproof mask with microwave technology, perfect for keeping tiny bacteria-laced water droplets from entering your lungs whilst in the dank training facilities inside Cameron Arena. Perfect for preventing Legionnaire's disease, or perfect for preventing Pontiac fever. Head to msumask.biz. And enter promo code Shashevsky sucks for fifty percent off your first offer. Mask up, MSU. Quite a walk to get there, but worth the journey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. Uh, so two weeks ago we did special teams. Last week we did the defense, and now we will preview the offense. So I think what's most important in this entire conversation is to set. The baseline. Set the, the table, Kevin. Let the bar know. is low. Uh, the, just the floor. To, the bar is the floor. Just to revisit some uh, numbers from last season. Uh, 113th in overall offense. 126th out of 127 in rushing. 55 in passing. The most notable stat is that not a single touchdown was scored on a rushing play by a running back. There were only two rushing touchdowns the entire season. One was a quarterback scramble, and the other was a jet sweep by punter slash tight end Tyler Hunt. So that is where the the football offense was for last year. Still managed to win a couple of games, you know? Two, two huge games. Yeah, two big games. Ranked opponents. Some of them even ranked at the end of the season. And... Uh, <laughs> And let, so let's break it down. So offensive line, Jonesy, uh, break us down uh, uh, Coach Cap's unit over here. Yes. So, of course, coached by Chris, uh, Chris Capilla, uh, uh, Jesus, can we cut all of that? Just no. say Coach Cap. Man. Coach Cap, uh, assistant Just head take coach, out. O-line coach, and run game coordinator. Um, it's a... <laughs> It's a line we've been telling ourselves lies about for years now. Um, and that is to say that uh, they've been so consistent in being injured that none of them have played their true position. And so what that means is you have a lot of people who uh, have experience starting and you have a lot of people who have experienced playing more than one position. Like Matt Allen has basically played everything. All the positions. <laughs> including like running back. Yes. You know, uh, he's been taking snaps. Indeed. He snaps the ball to himself sometimes. You do recall he has a brother who scored a rushing touchdown in college. I do recall. So. I was there when it happened. What? Wasn't... Oh, yeah. wait. Wasn't that a Happy Valley? No, I think it was a home game. All right. Anyway, uh, so 
what's encouraging is that it does seem to be that we've settled in on a starting five. Um, but upside also is that there's a lot of competition right behind those guys uh, to keep things interesting. The place that there's the least comp- uh, competition is at the tackles. So we, of course, have talked about uh, Arkansas State transfer Jarrett Horse, uh, who was recruited in the transfer portal by the likes of Oklahoma and Texas. Uh, he will be taking over the left tackle spot. At left guard, you'll see either J.D. Duplain or Kevin Jarvis. Um, at center, it seems like Matt Allen has probably won the job. Uh, but Nick Samak, who had seen plenty of starts, is right there with him. If it wasn't for Matt Allen's seniority, I, I do think this is a scenario where Nick Samak would be seeing the start. Um, at right guard, it's either J.D. Duplain or Kevin Jarvis again. Um, and at right tackle, A.J. Akuri has moved from left tackle over to right tackle. Um, A.J. Akuri is the only member of this line who has what you would associate uh, like traditional tackle size. Um, with him, Kevin Jarvis, of course, last year was playing right tackle. Who's for the first time, I believe in his career playing the position that he was recruited to play. Um, so that's great for Kevin. We're very excited. Um, behind them are, uh, Matt Carrick, uh, Blake Buter, uh, Luke Campbell are, are three that all showed progress last year. Um, but are not going to be in your top five. Uh, but I- assuming that they they showed growth last year and and have grown in this offseason, uh, one can hope the offensive line will be better than the worst. Which really, again, I want to reiterate, there were 120. They were 126 out of 127 in rushing last year. They could not buy a yard to save their lives. Yeah. So. If if there's anything that if you're a listener you need to remember uh, to impress your buddies, what there's Horst. Remember Horst. Horst. Who else? Who else comes immediately to mind? Who should we be talking about the most? I mean, so Kevin Jarvis is someone who stuck out for the last two years as probably our best lineman, and was playing out of position. Yeah, the whole time. The whole time. So AJR Curry is is good to find. Like, I mean, he's, he is a passable tackle at the big 10 level. And frankly, that's great. <laughs> Why you gotta be so mean to my guy, AJ? No, right? I'm not like, he's good. He's good. He's a hell of a lot better at any of this than I could ever be. But the, that's cause you're a little, cause you're a little person. I do not fit the Mel Tucker mold. That's, that's true. No, but, <laughs> but you're not sleeping fast. That's for sure. <laughs> anyway. So Kevin Jarvis is the person that I would be looking at as a, you know, uh, people people talk about being able to run between the tackles, and that is not something we could do last year. And part of it is being able to get that interior push. So JD Duplain and I know uh, Matt Allen or Nick Samek; those are those are guys we've talked about as being good, good Big Ten players um, or or up and coming uh, Big Ten players at times. I, I look at this line and I say, okay, let's go. Like, all right, let's go. Let, let's go indeed. So on to the running backs. Uh, <laughs> so the most important name. All right. In the same way that if you've got to remember one name, it might be Horst for the, for the offensive line. Transfer, Wake Forest transfer, and already mentioned 
uh, swooned over by Mr. Uh, by Mr. Michael Blake Jones, Kenneth Walker III is making moves, and not just in the sizzle reels, but also in all of the different press that you might read or all of the press conferences. So, I mean, my expectation is that he is taking the bulk of the snaps and starting on week one. Brand new, straight out of Wake Forest. Uh, our fans have seen him. He did take a few snaps in that Wake Forest uh, bowl game at uh, at uh, uh, Yankee Stadium. But that's the big one. Also, Eli Collins is back. I just can we, can we just add real quick? Sure. Kenneth Walker last year split his time with another running back. He was sort of the number two guy at Wake Forest. And even still, he had 119 attempts and averaged 4.9 yards per carry with 13 touchdowns and a long of 75. Dude's good. <laughs> Big. Dude's good. And they didn't let him try and catch passes at all. Like that was n- all he did was run and pass protect. Hmm. And and frankly, at that position, pass protection, big deal. Yeah. So sorry. Also, sorry to interject. Seems- it seems like leaving. Good idea. Yes. Mr. Walker. Very smart. Uh, Eli Collins. Uh, everyone probably remembers Eli came on big a couple of years ago, had a rough season last year. He's announced that that was due to long COVID, uh, but he is fully recovered now. And uh, even with, um, you know, he's just short of a, of a thousand yards total career, right? Uh, yeah. yeah there. No, no, no. His 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 redshirt oh, he, freshman year. That's right. He nearly he hit just a short, just short of a thousand right. yards. So annoyingly those, short. Yeah, those are your two big names to remember. Uh, because Connor Hayward, who has been taking snaps at the at the role, has now officially moved to tight end, which, when we get there, might be smart. So, uh, uh, also, oh, go I was going to say, I think it's worth mentioning Jordan Simmons, who. Last yep. year was a freshman. Sorry. Yep. Jordan Simmons and Harold Joyner are the other two names to remember. So Harold Joyner, of course, uh, was heavily recruited by D'Antonio until something took place and D'Antonio decided no longer to uh, go down that route. But now Harold Joyner is on campus, transferred from Auburn. And Jordan Simmons, of course, got snaps last year as well. So that is your running back room. And it does have some promise. So, uh, as much as there was a floor for last season, I think, uh, if the line can stay healthy, these guys are going to be able to make some work out of it. So, yeah. uh, anything else, uh, Jonesy on that before we move on to the wide receivers? Yeah. Uh, well, other than, I think we overstated when we talked about Connor Hayward moving to tight end. Um, I think he's taking snaps with the tight ends because he will, he will line up at tight end sometimes. Mm but likely is playing more of an H-back, which H-back. is going to be pass protection, a lead blocker for running backs. Sometimes we'll be taking handoffs out of the backfield, but it will be with a a more talented running back behind him, which makes him a, him sort of like uh, the, the more talented running back, the decoy, um, the honeypot, if you will. Uh, so Connor Hayward, it, it, you know, for all the bragging about him being this incredible athlete who has great hands, who can do all the stuff out of the backfield and never did any of that. He's in a position now that in theory, he should be able to do some of that. He had some moments last year, but Uh, the average yards per carry were abysmal. Um, Plum care to introduce us to the wide receiving core. 
I do. I'm happy to. Uh, Courtney Hawkins is doing a fantastic job uh, coaching this unruly set, who I think we should all be very excited by. Um, so what we're seeing, I guess, at least in some of the reports um, from camp, from the scrimmage and stuff, is that there's been a, a lot of buy-in from the position group this year, right? So a lot of the guys are, are just kind of stepping up. There's um, pretty strong um, kind of group cohesion um, here. So two spots relatively set, and I think that's not a surprise to anyone that's been paying attention that remembers from last year, Jaden Reed, Jalen Naylor, um, both um, both coming in. So we, we can expect um, – we can expect, you know, them to, to sort of be position group leaders among the wide receivers. Um, some other names that are being kind of single out or fleshed out as people to be um, paying attention to Montori Foster. Um, he barely started playing football before coming to MSU. Um, and yet uh, Jay Johnson called him out specifically in, um, in the, uh, in the, in the, in his, his press conference a few days ago, back on the uh, 17th, I think. Um Keon Coleman, another another player who's probably going to get some minutes, according to Jay Johnson. Um, how much is probably going to depend on, like with most of these guys, um, how well some of these younger guys do uh, sort of refining some of the skill sets, how much the playbook they're able to pick up in one amount of time. Um, you know, what I heard Jay Johnson say in his press conference was it's just the number of um, cycles that these guys are getting, the number of times they're getting out there, the number of runs they're making. Um, it, 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 it just seems to be very based kind of X's and O's in terms of how guys are performing. Um, I think that that sort of meritocracy, merit, merit, yeah, you got it. Yeah. Nailed it. Meritocratic mm. way of, is that a word? Of, of, cannot of, read, cannot write. Yeah. Sorry. Doing things makes sense to me, especially when, you know, you, you do want to honor, um, experience. You want to honor players who are able to lead in that position group. So good for them. Um, and I hope that provides a little bit of fodder to guys like Montreal, to guys like Keon, others who, whose maybe names I don't yet know, but, but hope to get to know. Um, we'll see how they do this season. And as I learned from Mark D'Antonio, the most important thing about being a wide receiver, gotta catch the ball. Got Routes it. there. Got guys it. there. Ball's there. Gotta catch the ball. Simple as that. The, uh, the other, you know, Plum talked about reps and, and, and in particular was talking about something Jay Johnson was saying and, and I guess I, I knew this, but didn't fully appreciate it that the, you know, there are two practice fields where we, you know, where they practice during fall yeah. camp. And what's intriguing about when you have robust skill positions like wide receiver and, and running back, which are, are filled with guys uh, who can, who can do the work and you have two quarterbacks who are competing for a spot it means that you're getting quality reps, whether you're with the ones or the twos. Um, and so it, it sounds like even though it's annoying that there's been uh, a bit of, uh, I don't know that we'd like the quarterback thing resolved, <laughs> right? That yeah. at least whether it's Peyton Thorne or Anthony Russo, they are uh, that anyone who's playing wide receiver right now is getting reps with a dude that theoretically could start with for Michigan state. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh that is an interesting wrinkle and very exciting. So, uh we'll touch on tight ends here just really quickly. So, uh Tyler Hunt, <laughs> Tyler Hunt and uh Trent Gillison uh are the the names returning that you might know. Uh Gillison with five receptions last year, 49 yards, and uh Tyler Hunt 
Uh, eight receptions last year for about 80 yards, neither of them with touch, uh, passing touchdowns. So not a ton of production coming back, uh, but being added in are, again, the previously mentioned Malik Carr, now out of a boot, and Mr. Cameron Allen. So um, a little bit to look forward to here. Uh, maybe we get a little bit of Connor Hayward in this uh, group as well, uh, depending on the lineup. But um, yeah uh that's that's your tight ends uh it has been said in camp uh and in the press conferences that the tight ends are going to be prominently featured this year so uh yeah right we'll see i i mean i think i hear that from coaches every season and i think it doesn't happen every season so i mean jay johnson did say that the uh the tight end is the mvp of his offense uh which is interesting for a coach who honestly say what you want. Jay Johnson likes to sling the ball a little bit, uh, which is kind of fun, but I, maybe it's just, we'd have no talent there. I, I, you know, I give Tyler hunt a lot of credit. I think Tyler hunt deserves all the credit in the world as a guy who was a walk on punter. Who's just earned, making it? Who's just earned a scholarship it in the world. at a tight end spot, outperforming a four-star recruit? Um. So anyway, apparently, uh, freshman Cameron Allen, who came on, uh, you know, folks will remember, came to the campus early in the winter for winter conditioning, um, has impressed in that room. I, I suspect they have him hold his red shirt, though. Um, so I don't even expect him to play more than four games. But let's talk about the quarterbacks, gents. Um, and so we have, uh, four quarterbacks who have scholarships and then a bunch of dudes I've never heard of. Um, they are of course on scholarship, Anthony Russo, Peyton Thorne, Noah Kim and Hamp Fay. And it's uh, going to be Hamp Fay. Yep. Hamp Fay for life. Hamp Fay for life just got released. It's all over the, the press. Hamp Fay. If it is not Hamfay, I will cast myself off of the upper deck with the jerk guy. S- yep, the upper deck jerk guy and I, like Thelma and Luis, will hold hands and we'll cast ourselves from the top of the of the of the upper deck. If it is not Hamfay, I might even forget nine eleven if it isn't Hamfay. Oh, <laughs> I don't want to. It's Tucker's fault. He made me forget 9-11. Yep. All right, let's move on. But the point is about the quarterbacks that uh, between Anthony Russo and Peyton Thorne is where the competition sits. Peyton Thorne, I, you know, I forget this and maybe uh, either, (laughs) uh, maybe neither of you do, but, you know, um, people make a lot about his performance in the first, what, half of the, the Penn State game last year. Yeah. I've forgotten it. Well, I mean, he, he, you know, had half a football, half, half a football. Okay. And then, and then the other half of the football game happened. So, yeah. So, so I I guess it's one of those flashes situations, you know? So here's what we know about Peyton Thorne. Um, I I think there's a handful of things that we can say uh, to his credit. Um, one is that while he was a redshirt freshman and running the practice squad under the D'Antonio era, consistently got praised. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might dismiss that as, yeah, that always happens. But 
it is a thing that was passed along is that Peyton Thorne always impressed as a redshirt freshman or I'm sorry, as a true freshman, rather um, as a redshirt freshman last year, Peyton Thorne was serviceable. And at times I believe preferable to Rocky Lombardi in Rocky Lombardi's relief. Um, he is more mobile than Anthony Russo. He was more mobile than, than Rocky Lombardi. Uh, does not have as did not anyway in the past have as strong of an arm as Rocky Lombardi. And we can assume with a lot of confidence that his arm is not as strong as Anthony Russo's. Um, Anthony Russo uh, is a proven starter at the D one level, admittedly in the group of five, but at the D one level set almost every passing record there is to set for temple, or at least in the top five anyway. But, um, throws a lot of interceptions. So Anthony Russo picking up a new offense. Like, I don't know. Uh, let's, let's chat about it for a second. Cause I think it's the thing that everyone cares about. Well, let's, let's add, I mean, y- interceptions. That's a personal problem. That sounds like a you problem, not a team problem. Uh, I mean, isn't it? I mean, it, how talented. I mean, it could be the calls. It could be um, guys not running the right routes, but isn't some of that? I mean, you're still in control of where the ball goes, guy. Yeah, but but all right, but Plum, let's say your team's not very good or is middling, and you need to play hero ball consistently to try and win the game. Like winning the yeah. game is up to you. You might gamble a little bit more and and it, Russo's admitted yeah. as much that he had yeah. to he had to try and win game he felt like anyway he felt like he had to win games for them and that meant he had to make throws that aren't easy yeah. um also he did have receivers who like to have balls bounce off of their hands and into <laughs> defenders hands that's also that's a fair. thing that happened that's one. To him. yeah this uh this question about you know who controls those interceptions? I'm reminded of like Connor Cook is probably a great example of this. He was really good at throwing those like back shoulder fades towards the sideline. Yep. And they called that pass a lot because he could make the throw. And because if it wasn't caught, it was going to say a lot of bounds yep. most of the time. It, you know, not a lot of wide uh, of uh, interceptions thrown on that type of pass. So there are calls that can be made in progressions uh, that can be made that are just more likely that in the event of a misthrown ball, there's an interception. Whereas there are other types of calls that can be played, plays that can be called, wow, uh, that are unlikely to end in an interception. So it's a little bit of both. It's a little bit of both. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, Russo certainly has, has historically had a problem with it, but you know, I think it's I think it's unfair to saddle all of it as his feet. Um, and but he has certainly owned a fair amount of it as well. Uh, but you, yeah, you hope that under a new system with better receivers, um, you know, not necessarily always playing from behind, that you would see an improvement um, in those interception numbers. Again, though, he does have some solid passing numbers. So I. I don't know that we have any insight, obviously, or we don't have any insight into who's going to be the starter. I think the interesting question is, though, let's assume that the competition is neck and neck and that there is no separation between Hamfay and Hamfay. Yes. Is what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> uh, would you rather have your grad transfer come in 
play for a year, and that's it? Or would you rather have your Peyton Thorne, your redshirt sophomore, who's going to be presumably then your starter for a number of years after that? Because that's going to have an effect on how you recruit down the line. And let's, I mean, Peyton Thorne didn't have a ton of offers coming out of high school Mm-hmm. To to huge schools, out of Naperville Central. So Peyton Don, I, I mean Peyton Thorne seems like a fierce competitor who is refusing to lose this job, and I think that's awesome. I think it's great that they brought in a grand transfer, and he said fine. But I, you know, you have to wonder as Mel Tucker and company look to replace Peyton Thorne every year. They're looking to replace him. Do you think it's better to have Peyton Thorne start or do you think it's better to have Anthony Russo? In the event that they're indeed neck and neck. Yes. And Hamp Faye has ascended onto Olympus where he belongs. Um, I'm reusing a lot of the same Rocky Lombardi material that I had before. Just (laughs) substitute in Hamp Faye. I, uh, I don't know. Peyton Thorne at least has some experience coming into this season. You know, he did have that. You mean some MSU experience because Anthony Russo has more experience by a lot. Yes, certainly. I mean, football experience. I mean, college football experience. He has some. So you can trust him in, in these types of situations. So there's definitely an edge to Russo there. I'm inclined to think that it's not that close and Russo is just going to get the job. but. If you want to throw Peyton Thorne in there for some, you know, every once in a while, give him a quarter or something to play with. I think that's a good idea, too. That's something that Mark D'Antonio never did. Once Mark D'Antonio had a guy, you didn't see anyone else until there was an injury or until the first game of the next (laughs) of the next season. Um I like it a little bit more when backups, you know, especially earlier in the season, um, get some time. So with any luck, um, that's going to happen. Plum, what do you think about uh, neck and neck? Do you play the guy that's the future? Or do you play the guy with more experience? And does your you, cricket friend have an opinion? Um, you know, I don't know why there's a cricket in my house. I will say that he is in the wall and my brick wall. So I truly don't even know what that means. But if you can just, dear listener, just suspend your disbelief for a moment and just imagine at your own home that may also be situated on a brick foundation. Here you are staring at a brick, knowing this is the source of the sound of the cricket, but yet it's a brick. So I don't know what to do. I've sprayed around the brick and all crevices with Lysol and it slowed the sound down, but that's not what you have. Slowed the sound. It's like in a long-term memory care for the cricket. I mean, <laughs> it's, I, but I wish I could. I, I think it's got to be, I mean, my, my personal druthers are, uh, it's Russo. Um, it's probably Russo to start with. You go with the experience, at least initially. You fight light a little fire. And, uh, and, and you see after a game or two, um, where they still stand. That's, that's my guess. Yeah. I, I do, I do wonder if the O-line is better, if that matters only because, you know, Peyton Thorne is more mobile and Anthony Russo did say my scholarship is not to move around. It's to stay in the pocket and throw the ball. Mm. But if there is no pocket, (laughs) right. You know, 
but I, I guess I tend to agree, you know, and I know I'm biased because of my law school days, Kevin. Yeah, um, of course, your true allegiance. But I, I think you bring a guy like in that, a guy like Russo in, who really believes that he has a shot to make it in the NFL. Um, that you're you're not going to do that unless um, unless you're planning on starting him, and and it's not like it's not like Peyton Thorne can't have a meaningful career at MSU, even if Russo wins the job. Right. So um, speaking of which we do have to say as a quick aside that Brian Lewerke threw his first NFL touchdown pass today, even though it was a preseason game and happy for Brian. Mm -hmm. He's the least embarrassing MSU quarterback right now. Who's in the pros. Is that fair to say? Is Hoyer still around? What's Hoyer doing uh, oh, right now? Yeah, you're right. Hoyer's still collecting a paycheck. <laughs> Hoyer! My bry guy. Yeah. All right, do we want to head to Twitter questions? Uh, yes, let's do that. Uh, first up, from Joe Ashworth. Uh, Jonesy, Coach Tuck, uh, raised the talent floor and level of competition through the portal and is starting to find a groove in recruiting. Now the staff needs to show they can develop talent. Who would you like to see have a breakout season and show the staff can get these guys to the next level. So, Joe, I love the question. I mean, and I, I don't mean to like fight with the premise entirely, but I don't know how much talent progress I expect to see from from guys. Um, because anyone they brought in that that has a ton of room to grow, I, I suspect isn't going to play a ton this year. Um, Keon Coleman, certainly I expect to see, but it sounds like he's a dude who just has so much raw athleticism that it would be foolish to keep him off the field. Um, you know, I would look at someone like Jordan Simmons. Does he find a place Donovan Eaglin, who we didn't talk about in our running backs preview, who's gotten super big as a touchdown specialist at the goal line. Um, he might be intriguing, but you know, the DB room, which is a, a space where we've historically done great talent development and Mel Tucker is, you know, a, a Sabanite and is successful, successful at the, the NFL level with DBs, et cetera, et cetera. We transferred all those dudes in. So, you know, it's hard to say how much development there is there other than maybe Angelo Gross. Maybe Angelo Gross is the answer as to to where you would expect to see the most growth and and feel like the staff is on the right path. Though notably, right, gents, the position coach there is a holdover from Mark D'Antonio. Yeah. I would just point out that you're an NFL level DB. And I'll say Joe Ashworth. I'm uh, the a- lines. The lines. The lines. It's all the lines. Uh, Joe I'm and Ashworth. I'm going to let that stand, Kevin. I will not abide. Uh, Plum, how early is too early for a hot dog during a new This is the perfect question tailgate? for Plum. It's probably nine, nine o'clock, is, uh, nine o'clock is, is when you can eat a hot dog for a noon game. If I offer you a dog at uh, like 8.30, though, would you say yes? No, 8.30 is too early. <laughs> what what did the man just say? Ooh. Uh, what did the man just say? Greg, you have an opinion on this. What bread option makes the best breakfast sandwich? Bagel, English muffin, muffin, or some kind of sourdough? Sourdough's fine, but it's rye. 
It's rye! Like, it is, but it's objectively not rye. It's rye. Thank you, Plum. Thank Everyone you. can agree it is not rye. Everyone can also agree it's not the English muffin. The worst breaded item. A lot, oh, horrible. The only, the, only, it, the only argument for an English muffin, and I agree with you, Plum, but the is only argument bread? is that it has the crevices that if there's a condiment situation in your breakfast sandwich, those crevices eat that up. I, I don't mind an English muffin with a little butter and like jam. But I digress. I, I, I think here it's either a bagel if it's the right kind of bagel with enough density uh, or it's it's a nice toasted sourdough. Yeah. Sourdough for sure. I mean, I love a bagel, but sourdough oh, all day, every day. All right. Next up, CTNCC. Uh, we're just, Plum, are we just going to ignore Greg for that opinion for the rest of the podcast? I think so. All yeah. right, great. Uh, Plum. I'll just be over here with my rye bread. All right, this, we're going to do this as a lightning round because I think this is a fun question. CTNTC asks, if you were named AD, who's the first coach you would fire? Plum, go. Uh, uh, the golf coach for not having produced a suitable champion before this kid. <laughs> Greg, who you got? Tom Izzo, to prove that <laughs> I'm the man. <laughs> this is my athletic department now. Uh, CT, I'm going to deviate from the question slightly. I would just merely kick Hutch back out of the MSU Hall of Fame, um, for being a traitor. So that's what I got. All right. That's that's the Michigan, uh, softball coach Ah, that's being referenced here. Yeah. Former Spartan in our Spartan Hall of Fame, but for for leading Michigan to championships. Uh, not okay. Not okay. Definitely not okay. Jonesy. Conference expansion, you have to add one member from oh, the God. ACC and Pac-12 and drop two members from the pre-91 Big Ten. Who do you add and who do you drop? This is a great question. Yeah, so for those who don't know, I believe that means I cannot drop Penn State, Rutgers, Maryland, or Nebraska. Am I missing yeah, anyone? Correct. No, I think that's it. All right, so uh, I think it's very clear that Purdue is one of those schools uh, because – because you never want to hear boiler up ever yeah, again and, and during Pete, a basketball Pete game. Pete is the worst. I mean, but they've got the drum. I, but uh, think of the drum. Yeah, everyone's got something. Uh, so yeah, Purdue for sure gone. Uh, I think the other easy answer is. Oh wait, you can drop Penn State. They joined in ninety. It's oh. interesting that he chose. Well, when did they actually join? When did they accept? And when do they join? It doesn't matter. I'm not. He's obviously, but uh, he's choosing this number to exclude Penn State. Okay. I I think that's pretty clear. Uh, So I'm also dropping Northwestern. I I think Northwestern has Chicago's Big Ten team that you're saying that about right now. Yeah. And I still think we get the Chicago market with Illinois. And the the Uh, the you don't need either Illinois or. Northwestern to get the Chicago market. Yeah, but but my point being that I um, Northwestern seems to have the least in common with the Big Ten, uh, if, if for no other reason than they're private. So um, that is who I'm going to to ditch. Probably. Do you know who the original six schools were? You uh, Chicago, Big Ten, You Chicago, uh, Michigan. I should no. sorry the uh, the the six who were who are currently in it that were there at the founding. Minnesota, uh, Purdue, Ohio State. Now Ohio Illinois. State around? No, no Ohio State wouldn't have been around. It was it was, it was founded. It just wasn't around. It was Michigan, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Northwestern, Illinois, and Purdue. 
There you go. Either way, buy Northwestern. Uh, it was Purdue's idea, hold, right? Hold, the whole hold conference. On. So I'm I'm out in original members, and you guys are derailing this question big time. I'm going to okay. add from the ACC. Uh, they don't do a ton for me, but I think you you probably add Pitt. Oof. Mm. Uh, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Is Vatek? Vatek? Sure. All right, I'll there take Vatek. And then from the past. Why Va, though? Why not Ja? Ja Tech? Then you get. Ja Tech. Then you get the Hotlanta. Uh, oh, yes. Yes, I'm taking Georgia Tech. Um, for sure. But they don't really add. Whatever. Anyway, uh, from the Pac 12, I think it's got to be USC. Sure. I mean, it's that or Oregon, right? I'm not mm. I'm not adding Utah or Colorado. No. What yeah. about those uh, UCLA Bruins? What about that? No, because you know what? Mick Cronin plays a boring ass version of basketball. <laughs> Straight to the Final Four, all right through your team. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, next up from CT and TC, uh, Plum. Would you rather time travel for a month than you can come back to current time uh, to five years in the future or five years in the past? Uh, past. Yeah, it's always the past. Yeah. You can affect the past. Well, you, yeah, which affects the present. I, I don't want to know what's coming. The future. I don't want to know what's past. coming. I think that too many things then you, you start second guessing. You're no longer living in the moment. You're expecting this thing to happen. I don't want that for five years. Yeah. There you go. Okay. Plus to be young again. You know what I mean? All right. Next up, Garvert with prop bet of are the you, week. Are you old? You you doing okay over there? You gotta, you gotta do some stretches. God, Is I'm it in, rough right now? I'm in potty training. I'm so dead. Uh prop bet of the week from Garvert. Number of playoff appearances by Mel Tucker and an MSU versus the number of NCAA titles Izzo will win from now until his retirement with the over-under set at 0.5. Uh, so I think the flaw in this question is that the playoff is hopefully expanding, but, yeah. uh, changes things, Garv. But, uh, let's assume for the sake of argument that with this realignment stuff, it's not necessarily going to happen. So what do you guys got? Greg over under 0.5. I'm going under on tuck going over on Izzo. Spicy. Simply because I don't think Izzo's retiring until he dies or wins another one. Or becomes athletic director. Sure. For a week. Just for a week. For a week. One charmed week. What about you guys? Any hot takes on this? Uh, over on both. I think you guys have a very myopic view about how long Tucker is going to stick around at Michigan State. I think right. it could be the long haul for him. All right. Well, we said as much on the last week's pod. Uh, I did. Nope. Greg, come on. I think we all kind of agree that that's sort of the vibe that we're getting at the moment. But, yeah. uh, but I, he's got a win. And you know what? And just here's the thing that's all I need is the vibe. Let's just be explicit. I just, just need the vibe to happen right now. I want to believe that he's going to stick around. I want him to be acting like he's going to stick around forever. So if it's all a ruse, I don't care because he has me believing it's the case. And that's we as much as anyone vibe. needs to say. The vibe is here. Vibes. All right. Next all right. up, Nate C. Uh, Greg, you have to replace Tom Izzo. You have an unlimited budget and everything you need. There's just one catch. The new guy also has to be named Tom. <laughs> Who do you get? Well, not Tom Crean. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, I guess uh, I'm going to go. I'm going to go Tom Waits. Because the players won't appreciate it at the time. Ugh. But later they'll look back and they'll think, man, that was cool. We had Tom Waits as our co- coach. What if uh, what if it's Mick Cronin, but he changes his name because people cancel him for his name, Mick? Okay. No. Didn't you just say you hate his basketball? I do. I, do, I truly do. <laughs> uh, we could also do Tom Hardy. Doing, like He gets really into the role of Tom Izzo. He loses like a ton of weight. And uh, and he lives in the UP for like 18 years. And then he comes down and he just pretends to be Tom Izzo for uh, for the next however long. Is he a method actor? Um, yeah, big time. Really? I big didn't know time that. into it. Yeah, he he nuked a city to get into the Bane role. Oh. You don't remember that? Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, um, it was worth it, though. <laughs> the, All right. Forgotten of the. Of the Nolan trilogy, that movie was not very good. Uh, I mean, I we when are we going to start our pod on Tenant? Oh, do we have to record all of it in backwards <laughs> first? But no, no, no. We're just going to play music next to the microphones. So you can't ah. hear what we're saying. That's next right. up, Mister Tur- Neurotic Pants. Given that down <laughs> that entertain me. Uh, given that downtown East Lansing is overrun with chain stores and restaurants and palaces for the 1%. I read that as brats, but it's brats. (laughs) Do you feel as connected to the city as ever? I think it's the earliest stages of dystopia and soon students on the top floors will be flown to campus. Greg, you are in East Lansing. I'm going to turn it to you first, but Plum, as the most recent visitor of East Lansing, I would like your take as well. I, I know where Raymond Chains is coming from on, on some of these things. I, I absolutely understand it. But at the same time, I think that these some of these are general improvements. Some of the, the, the new restaurants that have been added are improvements. Um, downtown was very lively all summer, and that was with COVID. Uh, it appeals to me as a non-student. Um, but... At the same time, I do understand how some of the the small college town feel is being lost. So, I you know, as long as Crunchy still exists, I can handle it. If that ever gets bulldozed to be what about the barrel developed, I, I'm not worried about the barrel. I, as long as we have one of both of those places, um, I'll be okay. No, I I need them both. As long as we have those places, it'll be okay. As soon as one of those gets redeveloped into some mixed-use student rental, then I'm with you fully, Raymond Chains. Um, but someone, uh, Plum, you know, you, you left for a while. You come back occasionally. But what, what's, what are your thoughts on this? I don't know if I would say it's overrun with chain stores. I guess I'm thinking about Grand River. I still think that area has a lot of restaurants and bars and um, places that I wouldn't describe as chain. I mean, there's a target, I guess now, but what? Yeah. What? But that's a target. Ann Arbor has like seven of them. Probably. I don't know. So I don't, I don't think that's quite the take. Um, And palaces for 1% brats. I think he meant brats as in bratwurst. And I love a 1% bratwurst. Um, Delicious. Is that a 1% um, fat? Because I don't know that that's good. 
I mean, I was remarking to Greg last I was there, or maybe actually I was there more recently with some other friends, that it does, it, it, so you know, it feels different each time you go. And it feels a little bit less like the, you know, it, it's more refined. I guess that's how I feel. It feels more refined each time I go. It's a little bit less like the kind of more rundown East Lansing that I knew. And that's not a bad thing, you know, and uh, to Greg's point, it, it's not a bad thing. So it, am I, do I feel as connected to it as ever? I do when I walk by Beaumont. I do when I walk down and Rick's is still there and Crunchy's is still right. there and the barrel is still there. But Plum, when you walk by Brody, home of Boy State, <laughs> former home of Boy State, do you the feel Boy as State. connected? Because, no, I don't. I, I don't, but, th- but, but I shouldn't, right? I don't, but I shouldn't because the Brody of Boy State was an abject gutter hole and it was truly the bane of any student's existence no one should have to live like that and it is it is funny to me that there are there are people who are um podcasters in the msq community msu community who are a little bit just a little bit uh later in the msu generations than us and mm-hmm. they talk about Brody as a place, as a destination place that you would go. Place for, to be revered. As a place you'd go for food and a right. good time. Right. And I'm like, very upsetting. Why? It is wet, all of it. <laughs> and- but see, this is, but see, us telling the story is what connects me to it. Looking at Brody and having the memory and being like, it's not like that anymore, but oh, wow, I have that memory. That's what ties me to it. It's but, not about the physical structure today. But I, I mean, I guess my point being that like, I've heard that if we were to go to a game, say on September 11th, Never that did. it would be worth going to Brody and buying a calf ticket because the food has improved that much at Brody. Well, I don't and know. That is not that, the place that I know. Still a hot dog with coleslaw on it, screaming my name at the barrel. So All right. hashtag 1% bratwurst. All right, listen, next question from... Uh, Mr. Neurotic Fans, uh, Jones, what is MSU's best kept secret? A remote part of campus, a little known major, a secret society? Um, so I would say, I think we got a question about this, um, last week or something, but I, I would give a shout out to, uh, there's a class philosophy of logic that was fantastic and is worth taking. Um, it's it's a super dumb and cliched place, but the botanical gardens are I, I pretty cool. You can't I don't know. You can't miss those. If you want a garden that's off the beaten path, give me the Lewis Landscape Arboretum. There it is. There okay. it is. Uh, I still think it's the dairy store because the hours are so ass backward that it's never open when you want it to be. I think we they just reopened at all. Did yeah. they? Did they? Are they actually yeah. back? They I were so last I checked, it. they were not. Yeah, but it's like, oh, is this a is this a Michigan State game day experience? Sure, you can't have it. We're not open on the weekend, and we don't sell at Spartan Stadium, despite my idiot co-hosts being wrong on that fact. I mean, so, the, the answer to this right. a while ago was the gas pumps at Spartan Stadium. Correct. No longer there. Correct. No and the, longer there. And the old buses they used to keep kept, uh, park over there too. Yeah. Yes, like they didn't look safe or real. Nothing but anyway, uh, next up, Raymond Chains. Uh, sorry, Mr. Nautic Pants. This week, negotiations between the university and Izzo stall when Tom asks for all signs to read Tom Izzo's Michigan State University. <laughs> <laughs> Later on during conference call with journalists, Tom declares, I don't care what's legal. 
nobody on this team is going to be smoking reefers. <laughs> that, is, that is actually something. Tom would be really upset about that and about if they were tweeting about it, it would just be the ultimate betrayal to, to Izzo. Though I, uh, I, real quick shout out, uh, people should look up, I believe Gabe Brown and Malik Hall are signing autographs probably the day this comes out um, somewhere in East Lansing and you can get their autographs for 20 bucks. So just supporting that name and vision likeness lifestyle. Sorry. Go ahead, Greg. All right. Next up from the Upper Deck Jerk Guy. Did you ever think we would have masks before beer in Spartan Stadium? Plum. I absolutely knew we would have masks before beer because it's the <laughs> common sense, simple solution to have masks. And at least in the current times, where there is beer, there will be people who decide to act with poor judgment and probably will remove their masks and start spitting in others' mouths because that's where we live. Great. Uh, Greg, where will you be watching the Northwestern game and what will you be drinking? Uh, unfortunately, I think I'm going to be watching it from not Ryan Field. Uh, that weekend is filling up on us. I'm not happy about it. Slash, I'm thrilled about it. It's just a little unfortunate. Will you be watching listening. the game at all? Yes, I will be watching the game and I will be drinking uh, Blue Light. Blue. Blue. Full what blue. about you guys? Full blue. Full blue. Regular octane. Plum? Uh, uh, probably Modelo Negro, I think. Ah, very nice. Uh, the, I think it's Negra. Oh, is it Negra? It's, it's okay. an A. Modelo Negra. Because it's a cerveza. Ah, uh, Far, far. I will be uh, at, uh, at, at the homestead, and I will be having myself some Miller Lite. So, ah. oh, Upper Deck Jerk Guy, this next question, so pessimistic. When do you think most of us will turn off the game against Miami? Probably once it ends with a victory. Yeah, that's probably yeah. when I'll turn it off. Yeah. What is going on with you, dude? Upper Deck Jerk Guy, I am, I am surprised by you. I have a standing order that was forged in the hell of the John L. years that you go down with the ship, man. Yeah, you watch that game to the bitter end. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The bitter, bitter end. Though I do we Notre have to Dame expect- monsoon sit through it. Yep. Uh, are we expecting that to happen though against this Miami team? I mean, they're they're returning a lot, right? I think I've read that in the in the previews. Yeah, and they have uh, D D Eric D Eric King, the transfer from Houston. Okay. Uh, the quarterback who's supposed to be fantastic. I don't care. Miami is routine. It, it, it would be like playing Texas. Why should I really care? Prove to yeah. me that Texas is good. Prove to me that Miami is good. There's no reason to. If we played U of M by the stars, U of M should win. I just, I refuse to believe it until I see it. So uh, we're in that game. We're in the game. Here, here. Um, next up from Eman Center, uh, Plum. Who was the greatest walk-on in MSU basketball history? Not necessarily referring to their skill, but based on how hyped you got when they finally got on the court, excluding Izzo because he's the coach's kid. Ah, oh, fuck! I was definitely going to do. <laughs> <laughs> no. That's really not fair. Um, <laughs> probably Goran Sutan. 
who I'm walk sure on. Not a walk on. on. Yeah, Goran Suchan. I'm sure was not a walk on, but uh, Keebler was Keebler a walk on? Was Keebler, Keebler a was. Keebler was one was of those. Matt McQuaid a walk on? I don't. <laughs> I'm like having to look this up. You guys are just naming white players now. That's basically the game that's being played. No, Kenny Goins, obviously a walk-on, but, you know. uh, Not not someone that we were excited about at the beginning of his career. No. I remember when he started hitting threes his senior year, and I was just like, I remember at first being like, God, Kenny, no, what are you doing? And then just being like, wait, these these keep dropping. Where did this come from? Maybe Connor George is the answer. Oh, coach's son, you know, that type of situation. Uh, I'm going to stick with Keebler. I don't know why. Uh, and I loved his dunk uh, and the call on it in the Big Ten championship. Uh, the Big Ten tournament in his senior year. So I'm going to stick with Keebler. Plum, did you find anyone through your Googling? I It's actually very difficult. I can't find it. So no. There's not some dedicated website to MSU basketball <laughs> walk-ons? Right. Uh, let's, let's say Eric Pfeffernickel from the 1994 squad. Oh, Huge. Wow. Huge. I mean, the all-time greatest is Jumpin' Johnny Green. Um, so they all just, they're all just trying to be Jumpin' Johnny Green. And we all remember how great Jumpin' Johnny Green was. Next up from E-Man Center. Uh, what are your thoughts on MSU still utilizing volunteers for their concession stand rather than having a food court or professional vendors? Uh, I've got an opinion on this. Go for it. Uh, so those are, uh, important ways for people to raise funds, um, for whatever their nonprofit is. I mean, it's fair to say that uh, you you may take some umbrage or issue with with a volunteer force as a way of distributing food, and you might ask questions about food safety. Though I believe it all comes from a, a centralized location. But I mean, where do you want the professional vendor to be coming from? Because I guarantee you, it's a giant corporation that does not care. So <laughs> magics, uh, magic school food lunches. Is that what you want? Well, like I'm trying to remember what the, um, oh, God, there's a giant corporation in Philadelphia that I, that starts with an am and it's not Amway. But anyway, uh, so I don't know if, if there's a way to raise funds for your whatever local nonprofit, then I'm, I'm for it. I actually am okay with it. Um, the other thing that I'll point out is they're having a hard time, uh, you know, getting, you know, paid ushers for the games right now. So I don't know where they would be hiring all of these, uh, professional vendors from either. So, um, next up from Mamapoli, number one, Deshaun Mallory lost 80 pounds over the last year, working with a strength slash conditioning coach and dietitian of the MSU defensive of the MSU defensive tackle, quote, That's I call him Big Sexy. What? It's just a convoluted way of writing. But anyway, it yes. is. Mel Tucker said last month, uh, what are you doing for hopefully garnering the same attributed unur from coach? What? Guys, what are you going to do to get Tucker to call you Big Sexy? Drop my draws at the game. Never forget, <laughs> Mel Tucker. Never forget. I'm deeply upset about that answer from Mike Jones. I want to be on record as having because it's that. so misleading. It's Is that so right? misleading. I think we've all seen it. No one was that impressed. <laughs> we've uh, all seen. 
We've all seen it. I've posted pictures on multiple fora. Uh, very few people have expressed any real interest. So, um, so there's that. That's the first thing. The second thing is, thank you, mama, 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 leaf for writing with such a cogent, uh, distinctive name <laughs> style. Um, it brings a true um, panache to our uh, lowly podcast. Um, I'm just gonna come in a nice, in a nice, in a nice shirt, in a nice shirt, and I'm gonna say hello to him, and he's gonna say, "What's up, big sexy?" And I'll be like, "Thank you, sir," and that'll be it. that'll be our interaction. So. <laughs> Everyone note the pause in Plum's se- uh, sentence there. Um, Greg, you got any thoughts on this? Uh, no, I think you guys nailed it. <laughs> I think I I think there's so little more that I could possibly. Uh, All right. Next, add to this conversation from <laughs> from Mama Maple Leaf uh, Two, the Youngstown State football team has four student athletes receive the Missouri Valley Football Conference's President's Council Academic Award. What evidence have you seen that Coach Tucker supports high academic achievement goals for the MSU players? Uh, do either of you have an answer? Well, well, what evidence have I seen that Coach Tucker does not support high academic achievement goals well, for his he, players? He just uh, dismissed a lot of them from their university, basically. Well, he didn't. He he said that they wouldn't, you know, not be playing football anymore. They could have stood and continued to play school. Um, I, I I will say, Coach Tucker sends out a tweet every week highlighting uh, someone for academic achievement on the football team. They go. Uh, and I believe last year's football team, uh, it was very competitive amongst all time football teams academically is I guess the best way to say it in terms of MSU uh, that they, they performed very well in comparison to other MSU football teams historically. So if you're looking for evidence, that's my evidence. Hmm. Very good. Uh, All right. Last question uh, from, from Mama 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 Plapple Leaf Leaf for Kevin Grooch. Uh, yesterday, it's actually a two-parter. Yesterday was the last Saturday with no college football scheduled. How how did you spend your peaceful, tranquil, and sporting worry-free afternoon? And how will you spend next week while you watch the University of Southern North Dakota State at Hoople, uh game in the afternoon? I'm just well. I spent this week getting myself ready for the hoople game, yeah. the big hoop, as yeah. I call it. Uh, I went hoop. through all of my big hoop, uh, did you, you know, pregame. Hoop? I did. That's all part of it for me. You know, I have to hula hoop equally in both directions, yeah. a hoople loop, uh, as it's known. Uh, so, and then I drank uh, until I was a sick. A lot of moonshine. Um, yeah, uh, for the hoops, as a hoople would do. Uh, so that's what I did. What did you guys do? I went to the beach with my boyfriend and it was great. That's lovely. That's very nice. Just a beach. Kind of the same thing. Very similar Saturdays that we had. Very similar. I got ready for a hurricane and potty trained my son. Those are two different kinds of hurricanes, but I'm not interested in either one of them. Um, the poop. Next up. And finally from Petra Sands. Uh, the three of you were appointed to be members of the cabinet. What would what role would your co-host be given? West Wing vibe. So this is cabinet members 
in the West Wing uh, cabinet positions, of which I don't know what they are. Oh. Uh, so I'm going to look this up real quick. Okay, I'm going to just tell good you. Uh, podcasting. Jones would definitely be my attorney general because he would hate the job because he doesn't like resign. to be a lawyer. I would resign. Um, uh, but then I would reappoint him as the... Probably just a SCOTUS appointment because it's a lifetime and I can hate my job. No, but I'm not, cabinet, not a cabinet position. I'm like a senior advisor to the president. Mm. Um, like Stephen Miller. You'd be Stephen Miller. Oh. <laughs> I've thought about you that way the whole oh. time. And now finally, we've been able to articulate it. Correct. Um, finally, uh, you, Kevin Grooch, you would be my Secretary of the Interior because mm. I just want to be inside of you. I'll take. I'll take it. I that's the one with the nice big buffalo on the seal. Buffalo. That's how I think of myself. <laughs> big old buffalo. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Greg, you got any additional thoughts on this? No, I think that nailed it, especially right. about you in particular. <laughs> Notorious for complaining about the janitors in in, in high school. In, in high school, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. I've seen the videos. This has been a wholly terrible episode. Uh, we thank you for sticking with us. I hate my co-hosts. I'm Mike Jones. Gentlemen, go green. Go white. Go white, Michael Jones and Alexander Plum. Go white, you guys. You're the Steve Miller now. <laughs>